0: Hello, everybody. Welcome to the You're Not Welcome Here podcast. We are pleased to introduce Tara Bush, founder and CEO of the Conscious Travel Collective. Tara's innovative team at the Conscious Travel Collective is reimagining travel through artfully crafted, small group, sustainable travel experiences. Their mission is to foster a more conscious and compassionate world through transformational journeys that empower communities, respect all beings, honor cultures, and focus on being gentle on our planet. So welcome, Tara. Before we begin with our questions, do you mind telling our listeners a little bit about you, where you're from, and your background?
1: Sure. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for having me, Jacqueline and Kelly. I'm super excited to speak with both of you. Um... So my background, actually, I was in teaching before uh, I, you know, my, my travel career began. Um, I taught history and geography in a private school, middle and high school, which I think segued really well into the travel industry, just having that background on understanding kind of the complex stories, um, you know, the multi-dimensional layers, right, that go behind the the history of places and um, when I came into travel it was being you know at that point where I was burnt out on teaching like a lot of educators get to that point where you're just kind of like oh my gosh I just don't have it in me anymore Um, and so I landed in New York in a tour operator um role where the company was tiny there was just two other colleagues and myself so i got to do a little bit of everything which was amazing right everything from like working with clients and creating itineraries to trying to start up our social media pages that were brand new writing blogs reaching out to you know media everything Um, so I feel like that set me up really well. And I had a lot of different freelance positions, most of them focused on kind of the sales side and travel. So a lot of the travel that, you know, the experiences I was planning was what you would call like mainstream, you know, mass kind of tourism. Um, and it just didn't really sit right with me that this wasn't how I would want to travel. This was the kind of pop in, pop out, like the travelers were having really generic type of experiences they could have pretty much anywhere. Didn't have any sense of place with where they were traveling to. Um, And I wanted to be a part of creating something that was just more aligned, that I felt like was not gonna leave this harmful wake on the destination. Which no fault to the travelers, I don't think they really realize that's what's happening. You know, it's like we can see it because we have these tools and understanding we know the impact. And we also know what, you know, can happen when you're trying to intentionally create a positive impact. Um, but I knew that's where I wanted to go. And so during COVID, I really worked on working on different certifications and networking and really digging deep into sustainable tourism. Um And then I decided that, you know, I wanted to try to create something on my own that could not only create the type of trips that I thought were important that people, you know, should be taking and would enjoy taking, but that could offer like an education piece. So kind of coming back around to, you know, my role as an educator, wanting to. Um, show people the elements that I thought were kind of missing fill in the gaps of the things that maybe they don't understand so that even if they only ever took one trip with me, they would leave having a new awareness, having a new understanding, knowing how to create those travel experiences on their own, you know, hopefully forever into the future. So yeah, that's me.
2: That's great. And it's so helpful to hear your background and kind of what, what led to this point. So um, I think I remember reading somewhere on the your website that you're from California originally and the, the background in California. So cool. So yeah. it sounds like you've been and I saw on the website you've been working in the travel industry for roughly it's over five years at this point, it sounds like. And travel has always been a significant part of your life. So what specifically led to your interest in sustainability in tourism? So what was it about like the sustainability piece that really stood out to you and kind of led your journey to where you are and created this cool
1: collective? Yeah, I mean, I think it's a lot of things, really. I have always been someone and I don't know if it's like the California vibe, right? But I've always (laughs) been someone very concerned about the environment and the oceans and like, you know, was... I don't, I don't even know how old I was, maybe third grade, and I was like collecting for Greenpeace in my neighborhood and stuff. <laughs> like I was just totally bought in all the way on recycling and picking up trash and just sustainable living, sustainable lifestyle. So that's just kind of how I roll. Um, when it comes to travel, the biggest kind of transformational experience for me was spending a summer in France when I was 13. So I was there with the family who didn't speak English except for their eldest daughter who she had been an exchange student with my family and I the year before. So I knew her, I could really lean on her, you know, for like language and for help, but I was thrown into this family and I had the most amazing time. I grew so much. I gained so much confidence. You know, 13 is like a really critical age, um, especially for young girls struggling with all sorts of insecurities. And it was like, wow, the world is so big. There's so many potentials. And it was, it was this amazing like moment where I could see how humanity and how people could just connect, even without words, even without language. I felt so close to this family and had the best experience, felt so loved by them and um, really taken in, even though we couldn't really speak. Um, So there was that kind of foundation of understanding that if you're going to travel, Throw yourself in, you know, immerse, Mm -hmm. like be with people, be with locals, get uncomfortable. Um, Stinky cheese in France. (laughs) For sure, right? Exactly. I saw that you were like stinky cheese. So that's what what made me think of that. (laughs) Yeah, I'm sure you're like loving all the stinky cheese in France, right? It's amazing. So, totally. And there's things that happen that you just can't get back at home. You can't recreate that, you know, those moments. Yeah, and I love that.
2: Appreciate. I think what you said too is really interesting to me because that pivotal moment, like you said, at 13, to have that experience and to connect with the family and just the culture on such a deep level when you're going through your own insecurities. I mean, that really is transformational in so many ways. Yeah. Like you said too, just throwing yourself in, you know, and trying the weird foods, like trying, you know, the language, even though it's super uncomfortable. And it's funny because, as you know, from being there, you know, in the outset, you know, our perceptions as foreigners, especially Americans being in France, they tend to be cold, but they're actually just formal. They're not cold. They're just a little bit more formal than we are. And so, um, and your perceptions of that, but the fact that you we able to kind of see beyond that and connect at that level, I think says a lot. And probably, like you said, led to where you are today. So I think that's wonderful. And I appreciate you sharing that story with us. Good stuff. Yeah.
1: I love what you said, too, about those perceptions or, you know, stereotypes. And there there are so many French stereotypes. So the fact that was one of my first experiences, I think, led to a lot of skepticism that, like, mm-hmm. don't buy into that. Don't believe that. See for yourself. You know, go meet people. Give them a chance. Because my experience was that that wasn't true at all. Mm-hmm. Um, so it created a lot of skepticism of, like, no, just give people a chance to figure it out on your own, which... Some might say is naive but it's you know I'm 40 years old I've been traveling ever since and it's never not been true so I agree totally <laughs> agree oh i love it well also fun fact you
0: grew up in california i did too and i think that a lot of like that has imprinted on my journey to sustainable travel as well and i really appreciated what you had to say about immersing yourself in a new environment getting uncomfortable kind of talking with locals to really understand like the local landscape and just have a better tourism experience overall um so going into a little bit more about your work with conscious travel collective uh, can you tell us a little bit more about like the different types of offerings that you do have and how you differ from other travel organizations?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So we kind of, um, obviously starting with the itineraries, we go a little slower, stay in one place, like there's no, um, you know, inter-country flights or anything like that. So that's a little bit different um, than than some other places, but We do focus on small groups. So we have fixed departures, people can join, and then also private options, but still really encouraging people to travel in a group. I think there's something special about being with other people, whether they're familiar or strangers or whatever, that you kind of open up a little more to like getting outside of your comfort zone. The group mentality doesn't have to be a bad thing, right? It can kind of usher you in to that unfamiliar setting and be like, okay, fine, you know, I'll I'll wear this silly apron while we do this cooking thing. Or like, mm-hmm. okay, I'll try, you know, the crickets or like whatever it is. Something that might, if you're by yourself or you're with your really familiar travel partner, you might be more inclined to say, no, nah, that's okay. Where um, if, if you're with the group, you like, kind of, we'll go along. Mm-hmm. Um, not only that, but I think just the kind of experience of being able to be more sustainable when you travel. A group experience does that a little bit better too. You're all together. You're sharing foods, so There's less food waste. You're all in one, you know, kind of vehicle together rather than solo, um, you know, private transfers and things like that. So there's a lot that goes into the group aspect that I really like. Um, with our destinations, we launched with three different destinations. So with Vermont in the U.S., um, we go to these really cool like. Of super hyper local places, um, get a little bit off the you know regular beaten path for Vermont, which is a little bit already off the beaten path, so (laughs) take that one a little farther. Um, And then we go to Oaxaca in Mexico, uh, and we also go to the Sacred Valley in Peru, so starting from Cusco, going into the Sacred Valley, coming back to Cusco. All of the trips have um, a lot of you know experiences where we're with a guide. We're getting kind of hands on in one way or another. We're definitely doing lots of food type things. I think food is such a cool, like, gateway to experiencing the culture. There's always a nature element where we're doing a hike or cycling or both or whatever, you know, getting out in nature. Um, There's definitely some local storytelling where try to get multiple narratives so that people can see the complexities. I think that ties into like my background as a history teacher. You can't have just one line of storytelling. Um, so trying to make sure they're being introduced to different people um, that can share their perspective and, and just spending as much time as we can, you know, with, with locals in the community. Again, to kind of fill out, I think that immersive type of experience. Um, and then we have a few new destinations we're adding for 2023. So we'll be in Croatia will be in the Basque region, uh, which is both in France and Spain, um, and then Mexico City, so.
0: Amazing. Um, Thank you so much for sharing, and I love the different ranges of destinations that you're offering, especially Vermont. Like I road tripped a ton <laughs> during the pandemic, just kind of getting like off the beaten path. And Vermont was one of my favorite places that I've been, like in the US. I feel like it's still kind of remote for the US and like how big of a mm-hmm. population it is. Um I also felt like a little bit like Ross from friends like with all the maple candy I <laughs> like constantly ate. But it really has like some hidden and gems up there, and I definitely think it has a unique culture for the U.S., Um, but just a question on, like, how you're expanding into other destinations. How do you choose the destination, and, like, do you have, like, a connection with these destinations, or what was the approach there?
1: Yeah, so there's, I mean, there's definitely a connection with all of the destinations, Um, but I, I don't know. I kind of feel like every place is, you know, special. Every place has something to offer. So these particular places were chosen out of the gate because um, I think they they all fall into a category of where they could be explored. Um, you know, people can kind of see the destination, but I think they might miss some things if they're just kind of going about it with what's most readily available. So what I mean by that is like if you go to Vermont, you're probably going to miss some of those really cool little off the beaten path site places. You might find yourself in like Woodstock or Burlington or something like that. Um, I feel like with, you know, Peru, tons of travelers are coming to Machu Picchu. They kind of pop in and pop out and they're missing a lot. And so these places I wanted to take people and show them, slow them down, you know, introduce them to locals and kind of show them all the things they might otherwise miss. Um, For the Basque region, I I just kind of feel like a lot of American travelers in particular don't even really know. Maybe that's not ringing familiar. Um, They might have heard of San Sebastian or they might have heard of like Brits maybe, but to have an understanding of this whole region and the culture that's there. Maybe that just like pulls at my history heartstrings or something, I don't know. Um, but so I, I thought it was a really interesting destination that was overlooked. Uh, <clears throat> same thing with Mexico City. I feel like Mexico City is something that maybe your average American traveler wouldn't go. And it it's just incredible. It's such an amazing capital city and it's worth spending you know, at least five or six days and kind of take it all in. And, you know, obviously you're not going to be able to take it take it all in, but slower than, you know, like a weekend getaway or just skipping it all together, which I feel like a lot of American travelers do. So all of the destinations I felt like had really like rich and vibrant um, cultures and food and are just gorgeous, super beautiful. Um, they're also all places that I have felt like would offer a really nice experience to LGBTQ travelers. There's like a lot of travel companies that will focus just on, you know, having one kind of demographic with their travelers, but we're open to everyone, you know, men, women, trans. So we wanna make sure that if we're designing a small group that we're really considering the kind of safety, comfort, and that everyone there can have a a safe and, and welcoming experience. So that was another you know consideration that we had to take into account um, looking at destinations. And we have some like kind of penciled in that we want to start thinking about for 2024, but no decisions have been made, but that's pretty much the requirements that that we're considering.
2: I think that's really incredible that you're considering kind of the inclusivity. You know, Jacqueline and I have talked about so much, like when, especially when you look at luxury travel, like how exclusive always has been marketed. But now we're kind of on a pendulum swing to trying to integrate that language of more inclusivity, particularly for U.S. travelers. But it's interesting because when you're taking those travelers abroad in small groups, as you know very well, and Jacqueline just spent a bunch of time in Dubai, you know, other cultures are not as open to those perspectives all the time. And so it's interesting, like when you're taking smaller groups that ha- happen to be more inclusive and have different mm-hmm. perspectives on diversity and inclusion, what that should look like, you know, it, it's interesting when you're traveling to a different context and how that changes in that context. And and like you had said, I think it was interesting, like the, the ability to take small groups and kind of reflect on those differences together is quite interesting. So... Yeah, I'm curious, like, if you've had any instances when you're looking at that inclusivity that there was that was an issue kind of abroad with some of your groups.
1: There's, you know, there's certainly destinations that, um, you know, in the research or just in feedback or talking to travelers, talking to other travel providers where you'll hear stories of, you know, this person didn't feel very welcome. Um, And so... There's obviously nothing that we can do to fully protect from that. We do have, you know, conversations with the guides so that they can at least be equipped with tools to try to, you know, I don't know that you're ever going to like prevent something like that from happening, but just to be aware or to try to, um, you know, comfort a traveler if something does occur, but also within the groups, right, that there could be, experiences happening. And so we do, you know, try to line out for the travelers kind of code of conduct and what's expected, but it's also a really interesting opportunity to see other people's perspectives. Um, you know, if you're coming to a destination and you're expecting that there could be some, some kind of unwelcome, um, tone or encounter versus if you're coming to destination and you, that's never crossed your mind. I mean, that alone is, opportunity for an interesting conversation between the travelers um, but in terms of the places that we're working with that we're not working with i think it just really comes from doing a little bit of research talking to people talking to different kinds of travelers about what their experiences have been um because there are some places that just may not be quite as welcoming um but there are so many places that are extremely welcoming. So there there is a deep reservoir of, you know, options there um, that are interesting places. So, yeah, we I think there's going to be a long list. And I think destinations are getting, you know, a little bit better. Just humanity as a whole, our awareness is, is changing. And hopefully that needle is like slowly moving and people are starting to be more aware of their biases, whether conscious or unconscious and trying to work on those a little bit, I hope. Um, you know, that's
0: what I see. So, yeah, no, that's beautiful. And I think that, um, it resonates with my approach to it as well. Kelly kind of mentioned that I've spent some time in the middle East that will have some more negative opinions or just like viewpoints on like the LGBTQ plus mm-hmm community. But um, something that I think that resonates with you as well as like the education bit and making sure that travelers are going to understand like what the environment looks like and ensuring that everybody does feel safe or at least knows what to expect if they're choosing to travel to a different. A different country. So I think that that's really interesting that you've taken that into consideration in the curation of your trips. And I think it's really respectable. Um, So I had a question about like the community and how you're able to connect with them. So, like, what types of travelers are you really connecting with that are coming on the trips? um and are they more curious about getting off the beaten path but maybe are a little bit unsure of how to do that by themselves or do you have seasoned travelers like which what's what's the range in the demographic like
1: yeah yeah absolutely that it's it's more of the former so travelers that are like curious about it but not quite ready to dive into the full like backpacker solo travel you know going to just take it on their own um And that's really what we're kind of hoping also to be a part of helping to give travelers those tools and to show them the benefit of traveling in this way. For some people, you know, this may be true for both Jacqueline and Kelly, right? Maybe it was intuitive for you as a traveler where you thought, yeah, I want to do a homestay. I want to take the public transportation. I want to go to the local market and get my food. And that's kind of how you found yourself as a traveler and that that worked and it was great. You can continue that on your own. For other travelers, that might seem a little scary. So we're hoping to um, you know, be able to take travelers that want a little bit more the handholding or, or kind of want to be in the comfort of a group, right? Know that they have a guide, that there's someone that's gonna be there consistently every day. Um, so that they can do these experiences that might seem a little intimidating, right? Um, and be able to give it a try and walk away with some new skills and some new awareness on how to go about having that. I think also for seasoned travelers, you know, it can just be a whole lot of work trying to put together your itinerary, trying to also know if you already are coming with that mindset of I want to support the local community. How do you do that? You know, how do you vet everything? How do you check? It can be really hard. I know myself, if I don't have a lot of time to plan a trip, um, I'm not going to be able to go as deep as I want to with things. And I have all of the like tools and resources and, you know, network to be able to do that. And it's still a challenge. So for your everyday traveler, it, it's just not easy. And so for those folks, we definitely want to welcome seasoned travelers who already kind of know how to do this but say, hey, it's already been done for you, come join our trip. Or maybe they're just looking to, you know, travel with others and have that kind of group experience. Um, the fact that we have, you know, so many kind of immersive activities, definitely blend it with a little bit of time on your own, that kind of slower pace. So um, we're hoping to appeal both to the seasoned traveler and to folks that are just kind of right at that like precipice of wanting to do something a little bit different, um, but can feel really confident in in knowing that they're going to be taken care of and kind of shown the way.
2: I think that's great because there's a need in both markets. So I think in terms of spreading the idea of conscious and sustainable travel in both of those demographics is really valuable. So I'm curious, out of curiosity, um, how does your team at Conscious Travel Collective define conscious travel and how, if at all, does that relate to sustainable travel? I know you mentioned some of it kind of in your description of what you do in the destination, but I'm just curious in terms of how, as a team, you define it.
1: Yeah, it's funny, I I get like super hung up on words. And you know, the like the lexicon is just growing every day. There's all kinds of different ways to define something that, you know, could fall under this niche, right of just broad sustainable tourism. And it's funny, too, because I feel like sustainability has this very well understood you know it as a as a theory or as an approach sustainability is very well understood in society as usually relating to like environment or eco or you know for the long term but in travel we take that and also include socio-cultural you know the economic factors and stuff it becomes much more complex Um, so I'll use sustainability, but really what I'm trying to say is like the full awareness. And I think that's where I really like the word conscious, um, that it means, you know, kind of having this awareness of the complexity and all of the things that are going on behind the scenes. So when you're talking about conscious travel to me, that means, working with locals, you know, making a positive impact on the places that you're visiting, not just in the environment, but also, um, you know, know, socio-cultural, economic impacts, right? And then having those tools as a traveler to have a new awareness when you approach a place. It could be in your kind of behavior, interactions, what's polite. Um, I love, you know, kind of Introducing to people like phraseology and things that they can do that kind of decenters themselves from the experience and talking about how to um, be a reciprocal traveler Understand your relationship between the host and guest and that it's not just about you that it, it, it's also about the, the Destination the place you're visiting the people that are hosting you and how you can contribute to your own experience in the way that you're showing up and opening up and so it's a it's a kind of contains a lot I think in that word consciousness the way that that I like to apply it but can be summarized I guess into uh, awareness
2: that's great and I think you know it's encouraging to hear because I agree with you and we've had Jacqueline and I've talked about that too and especially the work that Jacqueline's created at Ecomatic it really incorporates all of that you know the three legs of sustainability but also mm-hmm. looking at the supply chain beyond it and kind of you know, like you said at Conscious Collective, kind of thinking about the on the ground impacts for the local culture too, and what that means economically as well. So um, I'm curious, the other thing is connecting uh, with locals and other cultures is not always easy. Sometimes it's a barrier because of language, sometimes it's a barrier because of cultural differences. So um, you mentioned some of this a bit, but I'm curious if you can kind of elaborate on this. How do you suggest um, doing this and connecting with locals and the local community in a conscious and respectful way that is mutually beneficial to locals and tourists. And one thing I want to mention, the reason I'm asking this, it's something I've seen a lot in my research, but also in traveling, you know, the power dynamics associated with money. So it's like, I I remember reading a study and um, the woman had quoted, it was really powerful that, you know, tourism was a form of neocolonialism because of the power dynamics associated with it. So when we're thinking about collective, like connecting and meaningfully, um, Kind of integrating and, and connecting with the local culture. How? What? What would you say is a meaningful way to do that? What is a good conscious way to do that?
1: Yeah, I, I think that's definitely something that you know when we're considering the like you had mentioned the power dynamics. You have to make sure that this is um, not only is it respectful. Not only are you you know coming to whoever you're trying to work with as an equal partner in the relationship. Um, but that this is something that they're, you know, looking for, this is something they want to do. If it's, if it's an experience that they have autonomy behind it. Um, and some of the conversations that I have with people I'm trying to work with, it can be, um, it can be a little bit, um, of an adjustment, I think, because I really try to shift that Uh, autonomy to them and defer to them you know so okay we're going to be in this area what would you do what what do you think people should see and sometimes the response will be oh well usually we bring people here we do this and it's like okay you know that sounds really great i'd love to check that out but what do you like to do you know if you had your friends or family coming to town what would you show them and is that something that maybe you would be interested in showing us and um you know, so just trying to really create more of a, a partnership with the experiences so that the folks that we're working with are not only just kind of guiding it or overseeing it, but really they're part of curating it and, you know, offering this. I know some, some of the things that we've talked to local folks about um, is not something that you would find on any kind of a, you know, other, other tour or offer that they have, that it's something unique. Um, and it doesn't necessarily hit like the checklist of things that people are thinking that they're going to want to see when they're in the destination. Um, but you know, the travelers that we bring, they've had really wonderful experiences. And most of the time it's those things that have stood out for them the most. Um, we also have a policy that we, you know, don't take any, um, Uh, commissions if we bring someone you know to a a weaving workshop or something right that we don't expect any commissions on sales we pay them for their time and for their material Uh, a lot of times that's not necessarily the norm so even when there is an exchange we want to make sure it's as fair as possible we have an ethical pay policy that's based not on minimum wages or standards but on living wages um you know we we pay for Contracts. If we cancel, we still pay 100% to the vendors, to the drivers, to any of the partners that we're working with. So there's certain things we're doing to try to um, model, you know, what what is I think ethical behavior when it does come to those exchanges of money. There's still always going to be that yeah neo-colonial factor, I think, but um, that doesn't mean that you can't still incorporate things that are that are a right way of doing, doing business. So that's what we're working on. And also always being, you know, open to feedback and trying to have really honest relationships with our partners. It takes effort to, you know, it takes some time to nurture those relationships to where we can be honest and and we can hear the feedback that they have as well and make any changes that we need to.
0: That's really great. Thank you so much. Honestly, like I, I think that I always have had the best experiences as well when I'm trying to go more local. And so I appreciate that, that that's like one of the main pillars that you focus on and trying to get people to connect with the local community. Um, that's always my biggest role of thumb. Like if you wanna be a sustainable traveler, go as local as possible. Um, so I appreciate how you're looking into that, but then not only just stopping there, but also looking into fair transactions and other exploitations that can kind of arise um, from even trying to support local that some people might not be aware of by going the extra step and mm. ensuring that you're not going to be charging commission off of sales so that those places can get built up and then discredit like the others so I, I appreciate that approach and i think that that's really important and it's like the little things like that that sometimes people just might not even be aware of um so um, going into kind of like the local economy and how it's been impacted over the years because this is a topic of conversation that it's like really um, interesting to me, because I also started kind of just growing my company during the pandemic, um, which is also it was could have been seen as a derailing. But like, also, I think that it's brought in our community a lot closer. And now we're seeing like a a resurgence, like now that the world is opening up again, in the interest of sustainable travel or conscious travel. So. What do you think, like, what is your opinion on like COVID and how everything has like affected the tourism industry and how do you see conscious travel fitting in now that tourism is opening up again?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I think that there is slowly been this push towards more conscious consumerism. And again, I think a lot of it goes back to education and Folks don't necessarily have the tools to even apply those things to travel. I do think that's why, um, you know, businesses like mine kind of fill in this gap. What you're doing, Jacqueline, with Economatic, this fills in a gap people need, right? It's it's missing and it's, it's very challenging for travelers to be able to put together the kind of trips I think that they would want to, that have that kind of immersive, you know, low carbon footprint, but really high-quality experience for them um, that gives them a sense of place that they're visiting. I think where the pandemic came in is that, number one, people probably realize that, you know, experiences uh, are not going to be guaranteed or certain that if there's something that you want to do, somewhere that you want to go, do it, right? Get yourself there, make it happen. Um, There's definitely... I've seen at least, um, you know, friends that have a little bit more favorable vacation time or that are taking it or maybe they hadn't before. They would let their year come and go without taking vacation time. And I'm definitely seeing that attitude change a little bit where people got a break from their regular routines and was like, oh, actually, this is really nice. I like being home at five o'clock or I like having my, you know, nights and weekends free Um, I definitely think the nature impact, where people had an opportunity to go out into nature, maybe because that was the only thing they could do in their city or town. You know, in New York here, we uh, were very much kind of locked in our homes. And so if you had a car or you could get out of town and go to the beach or go for a hike, like you were doing it. If you've never hiked before in your life, you probably went, (laughs) you know, during COVID. So... I think the the kind of appreciation for nature and um, what it does for our lives and our nervous systems, right? And I think that's something that we've seen come out of COVID. The national parks were hugely crowded and stuff in in 2021. So there's definitely a draw there. But I, I think that will remain where people discover that thing in themselves that feels connected to nature and they'll stick with that. Um, We did see a lot of travel in 2022 to, I think, a lot of mass tourism travel to, you know, kind of Rome and Paris and these big European spots. And um, there was a lot of crowding and over-tourism there. So I think maybe the over-tourism has, like, hit the lexicon enough going back to words where people might have only heard of that as it applies to venice or something and now they're starting to see like that can really apply everywhere so getting a little bit more away from those main destinations i'm hoping that like off-season travel or shoulder season will start to become part of the the lexicon for travelers as well or will continue to grow um so they can realize that you can still go to Rome and paris but maybe go in the fall or spring or winter right but there's a lot that that can be done without having to be there in July or August. Um, So just kind of different, more open ways of travel, taking longer trips, going a little slower, taking the trip altogether, right? Not missing out on your vacation, um, making that a priority. I think those are the more positive aspects of traveler behavior that I think will change, um, hopefully for the long run. And then certainly within the industry, we saw that there is not only over-tourism, but under-tourism. There are places that really need travelers, that their you know, livelihood and, and the sustainability, the economic sustainability of their communities depend on it. And so I do think that there is some responsibility from travel providers to make sure that you are making conscious choices to support communities that are asking for and need. Um, travelers, and that doesn't mean that every single person that lives in that community wants tourism there, but finding a way to serve the people that, that are asking for and need it and making sure that you're you know, not creating any harm overall for the community and being mindful of you know, your footprint and water usage and things like that that could cause negative impacts on the whole community, um, but, but being aware of the destinations that need it to thrive and, and trying to bring folks there yeah
0: that's a really great point and i love the theory of tourism dispersal and kind of like looking into that and how you can effectively get people out of destinations like the main destination hubs like venice or rome or paris even um or these these destinations that are seeing like an influx of tourism that's like created this like mass that we see about in all the documentaries or we hear about as like terrible Mm -hmm. cases but how we can actually get people to go off the beaten path. And I think that that's something else that you touched upon as well. That was great because it is the trends that we're seeing. There's a lot of people that are really interested in in that type of travel. So how do we get them there? And I think that that's like the responsibility of where we can come in by highlighting how to do those like consciously or more sustainably and kind of providing those resources and those comforts for travelers that may not be as seasoned or ready to kind of go for it at full force so last question on um staying true to kind of our podcast name you're not welcome here what do you believe is not welcome in the travel industry Oof,
1: good (laughs) question um Gosh, a lot. <laughs> There's a lot of things. I feel like, yeah, from the perspective of the you know folks that are working in the industry, I think we have a lot of bad behaviors that have been going on for a long time, whether conscious or not. That we really need to make some big changes. Um, some of it is in that responsibility of where you know we're sending people, but the mindset is the biggest one for me. Is having um, an idea that because you have maybe, you know, paid entry to a place, whether it be a hotel or a restaurant, and this is true anywhere, um, but I, I don't think that that, you know, puts you in a kind of a hierarchy among people that you need to show kindness and compassion to everyone, whether you're a customer uh, or not. You know, that we're, we're all human beings that deserve respect, and this kind of customer, um service mentality is one that i just don't buy into at all and i think it goes a, a few steps further when you're in travel because it is a big investment because it is experience because people are being catered to um I just started watching White Lotus. I'm like way behind, but oh, I haven't started people, yet. <laughs> okay, I'm, I'm only like three episodes on the first season, but it's like I was so excited because I thought maybe people will start being nicer to the you know hotel staff after watching this <laughs> and seeing how hard they work, right? Um, so, but it is—it's that kind of mentality. People show up and they expect uh, to be cater to in this way that I don't think is healthy. And I think it creates a barrier for the relationship. So having a more homestays or more, you know, in-home experiences with people that you're visiting, I think can really break down that barrier and hopefully you'll carry that with you. Um, but I think in, in terms of tourism industry, we, we have a, a lot of things that are not welcome that we need to work on. Um, yeah. And I don't know if you're looking for that response to be from like the traveler's point of view um, or from, from the industry. But I, I think on both ends, we have work to do. But the industry needs to lead the traveler on how to get there. I completely
0: agree with that. And I could go on a tangent about all the things that are wrong within the travel industry. But I think you yeah. answered that perfectly. But um, <laughs> Um, And on the flip side to that, though, what do you believe um, is welcome? Like, or what would you like to see welcome in the tourism industry for years to come?
1: Oh, gosh, yeah. Um, I I think there's also just so much beautiful connection that can come when you do put yourself in a position to receive and to give right as a traveler as a host so being um being able to really acknowledge this amazing opportunity that we have and you know we're like living in the future of how you can uh go to, to, to be with other people. I'm not tech savvy at all, but there's so many cool, you know, tech platforms out there and stuff. Jacqueline, you could probably speak about this a lot more than I can. But the fact that you can just go online and book a homestay, like practically anywhere in the world and stay with someone, how incredible is that? Like the access we have to connection is totally worth celebrating and being excited about. And the fact that you can go anywhere in the world pretty much and like do a, you know, a walking tour through the market with someone who will explain to you, you know, food and you can taste and try things. And and I don't know, I, I'm just so in awe of like all of the opportunities that we have to connect human to human, really without much language either. Again, going back to the, the kind of power and beauty in that, um, even if you want to have like someone help you learn language if you're going to go spend a week in Guatemala, you can jump on a Zoom call with someone that's local there and have them help walk you through some phrases that would be helpful or whatever. It's like tapping into technology and um, the availability of those resources that we have to go deeper with our travels and connect with people is something I think that's just so beautiful and it's great to see that growing every single day.
2: I agree. I think it's inspiring. And I I like your framing around that. It leaves leaves us like thinking about a high note of travel. So that's good to good to hear. So thank you so much for your time, Chaitra. This has been really insightful and interesting to learn more about you and the Conscious Travel Collective. So if our audience is interested in connecting with you, what's the best way to get in touch with you?
1: Yeah, thanks Kelly. So we um, our website is conscioustravelcollective.com. Uh we're on Instagram Um, we're, we're on all of the, all of the social medias, but not very active, honestly, (laughs) most of them. Um, so Instagram is where you're going to get all of the best content. We have a really regular blog, uh, myself and, and some other members of our team work on that. And so that's where we like get super dork out (laughs) on all of these topics, uh, for people that do want to go a little bit down the rabbit hole on, on theory and those types of things. So definitely check out the blog. Um, but yeah, I think the website and and Instagram is the best way to find us right now. That's great. Well, thank you so much. So thank you
2: everyone for joining us on the You're Not Welcome Here podcast. And we look forward to seeing you in the next episode. Thanks all. Thank you.